Hi, I'm Jill Sylvester, licensed mental health counselor and author of the self-help book, Trust Your Intuition, 100 Ways to Transform Anxiety and Depression for Stronger Mental Health, and the young adult self-help fiction novels, The Land of Blue and Devon Dream Agent Book One in the Devon series. Each of my books deals with the theme of intuition because for me, it all comes down to listening to and trusting your own inner voice, the one of your best self, the highest self, in order to live your best life and also to trust that voice and develop it in order to help and serve humanity. Hi, and welcome to this week's podcast where I'll be talking about what I call spiritual depression, which for me means when someone isn't using their talents and gifts and finds themselves feeling out of sorts, angry, depleted, and sad. I chose to talk about this today because this came up a couple of times in client sessions this week. If this speaks to you or someone you know, I'm going to give you three steps for a strategy to move yourself out of that space into a manifesting one. The first step is identify your strengths. This is an exercise I often give to clients when we start working together. I ask them to list 25 things that make them them or that make you you. So if you're listening, consider pausing the podcast here and writing down 25 things about yourself that are positive, that are strong qualities that make you feel good about yourself, both inwardly and outwardly, and make you uniquely you. I want you to be as specific as possible in your strengths. For example, you might say or write down on a piece of paper, I am great with people. I make people feel welcome. I make an awesome gluten-free pizza from scratch. I am kind to animals. I excel in math. I am present with others when I am with them. I know how to fix things, and I'm really good at creating. Things like that. If you have healthy self-esteem and a strong self-awareness, this will be easy for you. You will rattle them off like nobody's business, knowing yourself as you do, and feel good about what you've written down or have said out loud. 25 things is a decent amount, though, so it's better if you can write them down so you can look at them all and feel good about that later. That's why I have people do this for homework, so that they can think about the qualities that make them special, that make them who they are. For some people, though, this is really, really hard. I remember being asked that question in 1991 to make a list of 10 things I liked about myself, to write them down on a piece of paper, and I couldn't think of one. Not one. And when someone in my office or on the phone these days gives me the same response, I so get it. For some people, it is not easy. It's just not where you are. And therein lies the problem. If you don't know what you're good at, what are the strengths that make you you, the things that people appreciate about you, you will not be able to use those gifts and talents and skills and characteristics to live your very best life. Listing 25 things about yourself that are good is not bragging or boasting. We need to get that out of the way. And this usually comes up in session when I, when I start this with people is, is people feel like they're, they're like, you know, honking their own horn and, and calling attention to the things about themselves that are really great. When you are able to say what's good about you and what you're strong at, that's having a strong sense of self. It's a personal development exercise to come to know who you are and what makes you tick. Healthy people know what they're good at. Confident people know what they're good at. They're going to be able to tell you, this is what I'm really, really great at. And they can also tell you what they're not great at. 
So if you feel like you need to ask other people to help you with the list, if you're stuck at like, you know, say after 10, um, that's fine. But the goal is for you to list them yourself, to know those qualities within yourself and to take a little time with it if you need it and to inevitably own those qualities so that you feel like you know who you are and what you're here to share with your family, your friends, your colleagues, and with humanity. So once you write the list down and you've got your 25, and again, take your time with it if you need to, even if you feel like it's weird or uncomfortable, um, you know, that alone is personal growth, right? If you get past the weirdness and the discomfort of writing down things about yourself that are great, think about that. That's, that's pushing past your comfort zone. And when you grow even a little, you are now removing boundaries in your life by expanding the way that you think so that you can bring new experiences and opportunities to you. And if you want change in your life, if you want to manifest the things that you want to have in your life, and we'll get to that in a bit, you have to change your mind. You have to expand the way you think about things today. So for example, if you feel like it's boastful to write things down about yourself, that's totally fine. That's your choice. But boasting to someone is one thing. Hey, I'm the best at this and no one can beat me at this kind of tone. You know, you know that tone when someone's boasting. But when you're identifying what you're strong in and what you do well and what makes you light up and makes you excited about life, which we'll also get to in a moment, you're now identifying a theme and a pattern of your life of what makes you experience joy and will help move you away from that sadness and despair feeling when you just feel like you just you know, you're just, you're just stuck. And what will make you move from inactivity to activity? What makes you go from, I just want to stay in bed and you know, what's the point to, I can't wait to get going and start the day to do such and such this afternoon. Your strengths are the clues to your purpose. Your strengths identify the theme in your life that helps you tap into your highest self. I'm going to give you an example that came up this week in session. A person told me that they couldn't get out of their own way. They were just feeling really agitated and reactive. When I asked this person, a man in his 30s, to give me just three of his strengths, he said he was creative, empathetic, and he liked to solve problems. So I said, that's great. Then I asked him to tell me what he did for work, and he told me he was a crane operator. I'm tweaking this example, obviously, for confidentiality reasons, but he told me he was a crane operator. So you see where I'm going with this, right? Okay. Now, I'm not naive or living amongst rainbows and unicorns to just say, oh, quit your job and you'll be happy problem solved. There are obviously bills to pay and people to provide for. What I am going to say to this person, what I did say to this person, and what I'm going to tell you if this mirrors where you are in your own life, is that you need to create a bridge to move you closer to what lights you up. Because if you're not doing the things that make you feel super excited about life, you're not going to feel super excited about life. You will not notice the opportunities that show up every single day to point you in the right direction, the the right direction for you, because you're going to be too busy thinking about what you don't have, what you're not doing, what you might never feel or experience or achieve. So you have to start by taking inventory and knowing what it is that you like about yourself And that what you like to do so you can notice the patterns of where you're supposed to be going and create that yellow brick road for yourself. In the case of this person, that example, we started making a list of the things that he could do outside of working hours to tend to the things that he wanted to create, to all the ideas he had been thinking about over the years. 
and putting energy into what he wanted, which was redirecting, going to redirect some of the negative energy that was going into what he didn't have, which was causing him to feel drained and just, and just depleted, you know? So here's another example that came up with, with someone else this week. This person was trying to figure out the next best step for her career, wanting to start over as a result of reflecting during this whole crisis. I asked her to list her strengths, and I also asked her, since she seemed particularly stuck, to go back to when she was seven or eight years old. This is a great question to ask yourself if you feel stuck too. When you were around seven or eight, what did you like to do? This person liked to play outside, play school, and be active. So we started creating a list of ways she could teach others fitness by starting an Instagram account or gathering people in her town to exercise up at the local park, creating fitness for kids and moms. And once we started opening that portal, the ideas just started flowing to lots of ways to use her passion and her talents. If you aren't sure what your passion is, think back to when you were little and see if you too can find the clues. When I was that age, I liked to talk to people. I also liked to play school. And I spent most of my time writing stories. And here we are. Go back and search for the clues. Even if you think it's preposterous to become a teacher after you engaged in an engineering degree, or to get people to pay you to stay fit and healthy, or that you think it's, it's you know, too simple, or that you feel guilty about living a happy life, simply staying home with your kids and not making money at all, because that's what's truly makes you happy and something you always wanted to do with your life is be a mom or a dad that was home taking care of your kids and and you want to let yourself out of that guilt prison that you're not contributing or feel like you're not doing what your neighbor is supposed to be doing. You, you've got to own what makes you happy. If that's what you feel happy is doing, then those are your clues. That's exactly what you want to be doing and you want to embrace that so you can feel powerful about it. So list those strengths, explain yourself to no one, and then take the next step toward what it is you want to do. More on that in a moment. For right now, we're going to turn to one of our valued sponsors, Northern Pines Landscaping Design. In addition to cutting and maintaining your lawn, Northern Pines Landscaping plants colorful seasonal garden beds, trees, and shrubs, installs sod, plants grass, designs walkways, fire pits, patios, and retaining walls. You name it, they can do it for your yard. And if you've seen my Instagram posts and the patio I sit on every single day when the weather is good, you can see the work of Northern Pines Landscaping right on those posts. To contact them, check out their website at www.northernpineslandscaping.com. That's www.northernpineslandscaping.com. Okay, second step is to take action. So now that you've identified your strengths and hopefully noticed a theme, you have to take action. This is crucial. Knowing something is one thing. Knowledge is power, but wisdom is in the application of that knowledge. So if you know you're not being challenged in your day-to-day job in the way you would like to be, then you need to schedule time in your day to learn more about what you're interested in. If you, like that earlier example I gave of the crane operator, have always wanted to produce a short film, then you need to start scheduling time each day, yes, each day, to feed that interest. No, that's not unrealistic to focus on this passion every single day. Remember, you need to reframe your mind so that you can grow and expand into a different space from where you currently are. 
If you tell yourself there isn't enough hours in a day to, to feed this passion, then that's how you're going to live, focused on lack. I assure you, you can find at least 15 minutes to feed your talents, your interests, and your passion. Other days, you can find an hour. I don't think it makes a difference to the universe how much time you give it. The point is that you are giving time to what's important to you. And when you emit that vibe, the universe is going to take you more seriously. When you back up your thoughts that this would definitely be a good move for me to take action, you know, every day to feed and grow this idea, that knowing that interest now, that vibration you're putting out is going to gain momentum and support from the universe in these ideas you have about where to take your future of, of what's going to bring you a more fulfilling feeling than you're feeling currently in your life where you are. It's kind of like when you buy a car and you suddenly see that car everywhere you go. When you start to give life to something, you're going to open your eyes, your ears, and your senses on what Gary Zukov calls a, a multi-sensory level in his book, Seed of the Soul. You're going to notice things and people and ideas and solutions where they weren't before because you've expanded your awareness and started feeding and watering and fertilizing what makes your soul come alive. But this takes action, and action takes discipline, which means you're going to have to schedule this into your day. You can't just wake up in the morning and say, hey, I hope I have a few minutes to work on that project today. You have to be disciplined in your time so that you create the time. I'm a fan of Sunday night scheduling so that I map out what I want to do for the week, and I'm planning to do a podcast in the coming weeks on this, so I won't get into too much detail during this episode. But the gist of it is, if you want to have time to make something from nothing, you have to create the time. You have to say each morning that from 7 to 8 before the kids get up, I'm going to write down ideas for this project. Or I'm going to send emails from 8 to 9 to ask people to help me with these ideas. I'm going to work on this film project every night when I get home from work from 8 to 9 instead of watching TV. And then, and only then, when I'm done feeding this passion, I will watch my favorite show looking at the show as a reward for your work versus procrastinating and avoiding the very thing that you know you need to do now to feel less depressed, less depleted, and out of alignment with your highest self. And this goes for anything that's making you feel down, by the way, in your life. For example, if you like to read and, and you're not reading right now because you're too busy, that's going to make you feel far away from yourself because you're not doing the things that you want to do. So you need to schedule time each night or each afternoon on your porch to read for 30 minutes with no phone, just your book, you know, learning what you want to learn or just getting lost in, in you know, a, a fantasy fiction novel, like whatever it is that, that, that does it for you, you need to schedule time. And some days it might be 10 minutes, some days it might be an hour. Again, if you're not doing what you love to do and what you consider a strength in your life, you're going to feel drained you're going to feel sad. You're going to feel bluesy. And who is responsible for the action that you need to take? You. Your spouse, your children, your friends cannot do it for you. If you want to create something different in your life, if you want to move towards the things that you used to do when you were a child that made you happy, or the things that made you feel successful in your 20s that you feel far away from, whatever it is, then you have to be the one to take steps toward that energy that you're craving in your life right now. And you're the one who's going to have to schedule time so that you're disciplined in your approach to make those things happen. By the time the week is over, I promise you, you will look back over your shoulder and feel great about what you accomplished. And you'll be closer to yourself, your true self, 
that is more grateful, more joyful, more secure in who you are, simply by honoring and acting on your strengths. And that leads us to the last step in the strategy, which is gratitude begets gratitude. You need to stand in the space of abundance in order to appreciate what you've accomplished that day once you get going or that week or that year. This is how projects get done. This is how books get completed, how we feel happy with the choices we make each day to honor where our hearts are taking us, whether it's to a lucrative career or to a place where we just sit in our backyards and feel content with life and think, this is good enough. That place that we sit in after a day of knowing and embracing and using our strengths and just feeling really, really good in that, just just quietly. It doesn't have to be this outward accomplishment thing. It can just be a feeling of, this feels really nice. It's not always in the doing. So action is a part of it, yes. Identifying our strengths is the first part of it, yes. But if you just keep moving and taking action and don't stop to appreciate the choices that you're making now to follow your heart and listening to what your gut has been trying to tell you this whole time by, you know, your body's making you feel sad so that you kind of listen up and take inventory and explore why you might be feeling this way, then you're always going to be looking ahead to the next thing if you don't stop and take inventory of what you did today what step you took today to get back to who you really are and maybe how you felt good today and more joyful than you have been because you, you know, converse with like-minded souls who are now supporting your project that you let people know about or want to help you on it. Or the kids in the neighborhood, if you're that stay at home mom who ran up to you and thanked you for the cookies you made because you're that person and they love you for it. And you feel really good in that moment of like, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. This feels on point. Every part of me feels alive. Every part of me feels appreciated when I engage in such and such. That's your moment to stop where you are, focus on what you did today that felt right and what felt good. And then you can move forward from there, knowing that you want to have more of that you know, in your life. But we have to stop and be able to focus on the things that feel like we're on point. And we don't do that enough sometimes. We just keep going, 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 not bothering to say, you know, where am I off and, and where am I on? And when you stop and think about those things, that's when you realize like the projects, you know, the whole project, the whole completed book or career choice or first million doesn't have to be made, you know, at the beginning, you have to start somewhere. And that's not really the end goal. If you're feeling down, what we want to create is the feeling that comes from when when we're doing something that we're supposed to be doing. So again, it's not the end goal to say, you know, it's a, it's an awesome feeling to be able to say, I did something and I completed it. But the feeling is in the doing of what you love. And when we're off and we're feeling again, what I call spiritually depressed, it's my belief that that's how the universe, it's like by design, you know, the universe has been trying to get our attention with, within the discomfort, you know, in the, in the feeling of being out of alignment, like those uncomfortable feelings are there to get your attention so that you can figure out where you're off so that you can write yourself and get back into alignment. When you find yourself standing in a better place, stand there and, and be grateful, stand there and enjoy that feeling that comes from 
wow, I'm so glad I started setting aside 15 minutes a day to work on this project or, you know, really honing in on the fact that I love to cook and now I'm cooking every single day or I'm getting back to reading or I'm getting back to talking to, you know, so-and-so that I haven't talked to in my life in a while or, you know, feelings of, of, you know, again, creating something, working on something, whatever that is for you that makes you feel like you need to do, then stand in the gratitude of growth of the fact that you're moving towards what it is that you want and you're taking action so that you move away from those feelings of lack and sadness and that lower vibration towards, you know, what it is that's going to make you feel more joyful. And that, that is part of the growth. So as Tony Robbins says, you know, if we're not growing, we're dying. We're always moving forward in personal development. There's always going to be more steps to climb and more expansion to make in our minds, which is exciting that it can even be better than this, you know, moving forward and expanding. There's always opportunities to do that. But without the gratitude piece, you really can't expect more of it. Gratitude begets gratitude. So taking inventory each day on the fact that, you know, perhaps you woke up now to the message of what spiritual depression is and that your spirit was wary because it wasn't living the life that it's it wants to. And that it was trying to tell you that. So you can take the necessary steps and take the, make that shift out of your shadow self and moving forward into your light-filled self. Feel good about that. Not just briefly or dismissively, but powerfully. Feel how good it feels to stand in what feels good. We don't do that enough. We don't. But we, what we miss by not doing that is that a grateful frequency attracts more things to be grateful for. Okay. On to the questions part of the podcast and to the latest podcast reviewer who said that they really like this part of the program. Thank you for your feedback. That helps me in knowing what you want to hear. First question. This was an email that I got. Um, What job was I in before I became a counselor? And this is based on last week's podcast. Um, I was in management at a Fortune 500 company. My undergraduate degree is in finance and management. My master's in education came later in life with a concentration in counseling. Second question, um, this came up in session with a client this week regarding my last week's blog on the 80-20 rule. And they asked, uh, 80-20 rule means, you know, giving, if you don't know what it is, it's giving 80% of yourself. So let's say in terms of diet, you eat good 80% of the time, and then you eat not so great 20% of the time. And we had a conversation on this person that had asked, what's the real difference between 80-20 and 90-10? And I can't stress enough how different it can be when you apply 90% of something that you want to see results in versus 80-20, whether that's in terms of, you know, having a gluten-free diet and how it makes you feel or exercising, say, five days a week instead of three or giving a bit more in terms of relationships, how far you can take that relationship um, and how much closer you can be when you raise the bar and turn that volume up just a little bit more just to see where it can go. I've been practicing this quite a bit in my life, and I can tell you that it makes an enormous difference, particularly in terms of relationships. Um, And as I mentioned in the blog, think about if someone you loved gave you 80% versus 90%, knowing that they could, how might that make you feel? And 
then the third question that a client had asked in session with regards to food and mental health, one of my favorite subjects to talk about, um, they had asked me certain foods to include here. So, you know, food definitely affects mood. Food is medicine. Um, can't stress that enough. There's no one size fits all. You know, I like to say a protein, carb, and a fat at each meal, you know, just, just for balanced and, and balanced food is balanced mood. But I can say, you know, just some guidelines here to throw out that if you have like an ADD kind of a brain, you want protein to help you focus. I like a protein smoothie with at least 20 to 30 grams of protein to help me focus in the morning or afternoon if I'm intermittent fasting, which I like to do for clarity. Um, and I also like having carbs later in the day to wind down. And if you are a person who has trouble sleeping, you want carbs later in the day for sure. You have them in the beginning too, but you definitely want them later in the day. And if you have an OCD kind of a brain, you can have both kinds of brain, ADD and OCD. And I would refer you to the book, Change Your Brain, Change Your Life by Dr. Daniel Amen, which is where I've gotten a lot of my information over the years. It's a wealth of knowledge on food and supplements and medication, which I like being able to look at that whole picture. Um, but back to the carb thing for OCD brains, you want carbs. You, you can, if you have an OCD brain, you can get really rigid and irritable if you don't have carbs in your diet. So you want to look for serotonin rich foods. Think sweet potato fries, apples, chickpeas. I could go on and on about this whole food and mood thing. Um, but hopefully this touches on a few points and that it helps. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit subscribe and share with your people. And also check out my books and products at www.jillsylvester.com, where you can also sign up for my blog to receive tips and strategies to deepen your intuition and live your very best life. Thanks for listening.